0: It's the show where Hawai'i's newsmakers come to talk and to take your questions live from the nation's capital to Honolulu Hale, from the state legislature to the fifth floor. We bring the experts to you and ask them what you want to know. Spotlight Hawai'i with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser.
1: Well, oh, and happy Monday. I'm Ryan Kalei Suji, joined by Yanji Denise, and this is Spotlight Hawaii on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. So great to see so many of you already tuning in, starting your week off with us. Uh, we're going to be heading over this morning to Honolulu, Hale.
0: Yeah, let's get straight to it. We have Mayor Rick Blanchiardi with us this morning. It's always great to hear from the mayor, and we always have so much to ask. Good morning, Mr. Mayor
2: good morning good to see both of you I have to ask you where do you find those pictures that you use of me I tell you it's scary you know? I mean, we will so,
0: talk to the graphics department and 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 up our game in that respect. I,
2: I swear I think somebody over there has it out for me but that's okay I, I was I, I, I don't you know it's all right
0: all right well let's get right to the news and uh, no. I want to talk to you about Skyline you folks have had a very busy week uh, over a week now of the trains yeah. running um, your overall impressions of how it's all going and how you're feeling about the rail project at this moment.
2: Look, I feel very good about it because it was um, to have the privilege to be the mayor at the time when we began, actually began operations in and of itself was its own milestone for us because coming into office, we knew um, how much the scenario, if you will, and all things involving rail were plaguing the community. I learned that through the campaign. I did so many Zoom calls and it was on everybody's top of list of complaining and just knowing what we inherited in the middle of a pandemic, getting the FTA back, getting it operational, making all that happen almost right to the day, two and a half years, um, to me was a really good achievement by our team. I want to give Lori Kaikina a lot of credit as, as our, you know, our head of that, but also Colleen Hanabusa, the board chair, all the people that played a role in, in getting our act together, if you will, uh, but in the performance of it and Hitachi and everybody else involved. You know, so I, I feel really good about that. It was, it was a big win for us. I'm not going to be coy about that.
1: Well, let's talk just a little bit about benchmarks for success and how you want to measure that. Of course, there were, we saw the numbers just from that initial first right. week, and there were a lot of people who enjoyed that free weekend. Uh, now sure. that people are under the paid ridership and it's going more as routine, uh, how are you going to measure the success in this first phase? And how do you uh, really equate the level of success that it will have as we continue to look forward?
2: Well, obviously, we want to build on ridership, right? But you know, this is really kind of a startup, and it's going to require changes. we talked, we use the word often about it being transformative. Uh, And I think, you know, our estimates are that we said publicly by the end of the first year, uh, we're hoping that the current route of uh, from East Kapolei to Aloha Stadium to Halava, you know, will be averaging eight to 10,000 riders a day. And I really do believe that that's attainable, uh, you know, we're asking people to change habits uh, and so on. But I think when I look at it right now, my assessment is knowing how well it's been constructed, the quality of the cars, the efficiency of it, what it represents on a going-forward basis, not only the, the reliability of it, but our being innovative. This is the first of its kind in the United States. You know, it's all electric, it's ri- It's driverless, et cetera the security cameras that we have in place, the maintenance of all of those operational things I feel really good about. That's part of how you want to evaluate success and the ease of it. And as people get more familiar with it and we get even more effective, I think, even with our bus routes, because this was always designed to be a multimodal system Um, and people getting into the efficiency of that, of knowing that the trains will come every 10 minutes, they can set their clock on it and they'll they'll get used to that and be able to get off. In certain locations, and have buses waiting to take them where they want. All of that is how I want to look at it. It's not just right now as myopic to say, "Wow, you only got two thousand people now that you're charging." It's much broader than that. And so, this is for future generations. And right now, this is a disruptive thing, if you will, on how you know uh, how people use transportation. It's, it's new and um, will grow with it. I, I feel really good about it because what. At the core, what's there is something that's really substantive. It's really been constructed well, and it's and it's um, and, it, and it's very efficient.
0: The next segment, opening up to Middle Street, will definitely bring on more riders. The hope is yes. twenty twenty-five. How confident are you that they'll meet that benchmark and, and get I'm very confident?
2: Uh, I'm very confident uh, in that, and and I have every reason to be based on what I've just experienced over the last two and a half years. And I, I don't try to look back and I don't want to belabor it and I've already alluded to it. Uh, we stepped into a very challenging situation at the time and, um, and we made the most of it against macro conditions that were not ideal. It's not anything that was conducive here. Remember, we stepped in during the middle of a pandemic um, when times were very difficult. So that said, uh, and know where we are. We actually have the guideway pretty much built to Middle Street and we're starting to, you know, head down to Dillingham Corridor and there are other things we have to get, but I'm very confident that, um, look, in this business, constructing something like this, I was really, um, you know, struck by some of the comments that were made. There are unpredictable things uh, and I want to be really careful about that, but if you ask me about my confidence, I'm very confident uh, and I and I believe we can... Well, I have to be careful. I'm not going to say we're going to beat that timeline. I'm just going to leave it at that right now. But um, all indications are we'll be there.
1: You know, you mentioned and you thanked uh, Laurie Kahikina in your opening statement when we we're talking about this uh, topic yeah. of rail. Uh, but you recently got a C- minus by the heartboard in just a performance evaluation. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? And, and how would you grade the job that Laurie well, Kahikina has done?
2: Okay, well, first of all, that was Lori's interpretation of her grade. She said C minus, okay? And I mean, that came from her. If, and I normally wouldn't talk about personnel matter, except that um, Lori went public with it uh, to the paper and, and it's become public commentary. So I just wanna say the following First of all, I've been very acknowledging and supportive of Lori in her role. If you two know me, from my past background. And I would tell you, um, and although I had nothing to do with the appointment of Lori, that was not my decision at the time. That was done um, by, I believe Mayor Caldwell, but Lori and I met just as we were coming into office. Um, so that said, I was certainly aware of her reputation at EMV, but I would tell you um, in, in her accomplishments, I always say, you know, what what versus who, when you start talking about critical hiring needs, what are the skill sets you're looking for? And right from the get go, where the project was at, we needed we needed to have somebody who really understood engineering and was a good engineer who understood budgets and really quite honestly could look at their organizational structure and be able to determine um, the personnel she needed to get the job done. And Lori did all that exceptionally well. If you look at her performance appraisal, which I've had the privilege to look at, or oh, this led, led to her, Um, C plus assessment, if you will, the top part of it, as it relates to her engineering and what's been done was glowing, exceeded expectations. What they did was they incorporated more of an aspiration on the bottom part of it from the standpoint of what they would like to see in a CEO as far as somebody would, you know, these external visionary things, money raiser, all of that kind of stuff. And in there, they, they, they put it in more of an aspirational and challenging role. So when they averaged it all in, it was pretty much about a 3-5 out of a 2-5 to five scale. And Lori took that, you know, she made that assessment and went public with it. I understand the board was not even going to go public. They hadn't even voted on that yet. But I would tell you that it's a real mischaracterization from the standpoint of the job that she's done and the confidence I have. her. I just got done. Telling you, I'm very confident about where we're going to be in two years, you know, and that really sets in rest with her, the team that she's put around her, and 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 their knowledge of what they're doing. So, you know, I I give her a much higher grade on the spirit of what we needed, and I think what we need on a going forward basis for some time yet, the engineering. Uh, part of this, especially coming down the Dillingham corridor, where we're going to be building a guideway and utility relocation underneath the two parallel tracks, which are not incidental at all, which are really significant. I think her skill sets and her knowledge and, and the fact that um, she's got the team around her that she has uh, are, are very at the top. Really good.
0: I wanna switch gears now and talk about another priority that you've laid out as mayor, something we've talked about, I think every time you've been on, and that is recruitment and retention of employees citywide. Uh, but let's start with the police department. I know that, sure. you know, in our conversations with Chief Logan, he said that, what you know, one of the big challenges is that a lot of officers have been retiring. And so as fast as they can get those recruiting classes through, and they are working very hard to recruit more folks to join the ranks, uh, it's just not meeting the needs. And so they're basically, you know, sort of where he was when he started in terms of needing over 300 uh, police officers. At the same time, we have significant safety challenges in our community. And I know that Uh, in your budget, you allocated quite a bit of money uh, to go to HPD. What do you think will, will make the difference when it comes to getting more officers on the job?
2: Well, leadership means a lot. And I give Joe high marks, and I've told him this all along. So, you know, let me give you a perspective. Between 2019 and 21, we had 257 officers retire. Our average is about 86 retirees a year. In 22, Um, we had 68 retire. So it's come down a little bit. But so far in June of 23, because Joe's been on the job, I believe, less than a year, or maybe he's coming up on a year. But halfway through 23, we've only had 17 retire. Now, I'm recognized that a lot of retirements sometimes happen at year end. But it's something we specifically have talked about uh, from the standpoint of retention of our senior officers because they are so invaluable uh, based on knowledge. We're still dealing with somewhere between three hundred um, and sixty to three hundred and ninety openings and and we do everything we possibly can. You know, you mentioned forty three million dollars that we put into uh, the budget. Uh, you know, a lot of that goes to cover the collective bargaining. We were pretty aggressive in the raises uh, we gave to the police department. You know, it was three five five percent raises, which compounds out at some twenty one point something percent, um, you know, and a starting salary is sixty seven thousand dollars. Uh, a year and if, after completion of the academy and after a first year that bumps up to 77. That's good pay. And for and for somebody who would be young within a few years after that, and working a relatively modest amount of overtime that could become a six figure job. So money is not going to be the issue going forward because what is of paramount importance in our community is public safety. And so part of that is tied to our police department, the people who are sworn to protect and serve. And I don't have to tell you, uh, because, you know, crime may be down, but gun violence is up here. We're very aware of it. And you can't have a police officer at every place when something like that is going to break out. But I think the public psyche on the threat, if you will, is is real. And, and, uh, and so um, we want to try to offer that assurance. And so, and I believe that we are doing everything we can to try to recruit. We're trying to be flexible at the department. We're paying them well. We've agreed to flexible work hours now. We have three 12-hour shifts um, going on, uh, which seems to be effective on the scheduling for creating better coverage. It's a good morale thing as well. I want to build a police department. I, I, look, if, if over the next, I want to sound presumptuous here, five and a half years here, if, I, if I'm afforded a second term, if we could cut that number realistically in half, And get it down to under 200 from everything I've been able to learn and we would that would be really good you're not going to get it down to zero I've looked at the history of where it's been with openings but if we could cut the number that we currently have open in half that'll be that'll be a real accomplishment and that's our goal and I think again it starts with leadership starts if we can start to curb the retiring but we've got to recruit you know Um, being a police officer is a very challenging job it's a very demanding job. It's not an easy job. And, and I've been the first one to say, I have my complete respect, you know, none of us put a gun on our hip or walk out the door each and every morning, you know, and, and not knowing given the world that we live in, whether you're gonna come home that night, just that alone has my respect.
1: But talking about another significant milestone uh, was the budget bill that the city council initially. It took some time to get there with a lot of discussion uh, going on in the city council, uh, but eventually you were able to sign that into, uh, sign that bill for the overall budget. Uh, was there anything in the budget, of course, that you initially proposed at the beginning that you wish had maybe materialized at the end through those negotiations in the city council? No, well,
2: actually, you know, I'm sorry, Ryan. Actually, we did very well in the budget. You know, There, there was a lot of back and forth, but in the end, that's why I signed the budget this year. You know, I signed it. It's the first time I think in 12 or 13 years the mayors actually signed it. And I didn't sign it a year ago, probably out of my own um, you know, lack of understanding on a couple of issues that, that I was advised, look, this is the history of mayors don't sign it. But I had so much confidence on this one that irrespective of where the conflict was, which really had to do with the governance of city council over Hart, that we're looking past that. I've got a lot of confidence in how we're working with Hart right now. Uh, and where those responsibilities lie. So I wanted to sign it as a statement. Look, one of the things that I'm really proud of, and I don't know the past, I just know that now for three successive years, starting the first year, which was very difficult because we had 60 days to balance a budget that had a significant deficit to it coming into office that was modeled after the the previous year's budget, which had been slashed because of COVID, and we were still in COVID. Having that budget approved unanimously, having last year's budget approved unanimously, which was really the one that had started to reflect our priorities. And this year, which we had all of our priorities in there for three straight years to have the city council approve our budget unanimously. I felt really good about, so I've done, I signed it too, Brian. So I look, budgets are always tools, if you will, uh, they're a guideline, but it the, the good news is, is that we've got the resources we believe we need in the right places to continue to make a difference as a team.
0: You know, you talked about on this program and, and in your previous addresses to the city about these wicked problems that are plaguing our community. Now that you have that budget and signed in hand, what specifically in there do you think will help to address those really core problems of our community?
2: Sure. Well, let's keep rail in that mix. Rail is gonna to continue to be a challenge, right? We've got a lot of construction in there and that was a wicked problem, but I think we've come a long way and, and that's good, but clearly, you know, and, and this is not necessarily in any rank order because or they're, they're, they're so closely linked in priorities in my mind, uh, but anything and everything we can do to create housing and what we're going to do both from a city standpoint on things that haven't been done before, what we can do in collaboration with the state is right up there, especially in affordable housing. And, you know, there's a lot of talk in the air. There's a lot of possibility, and we need to execute on that. Uh, and clearly, closely tied to that is fixing DPP. And we're making a lot of strides on that. You know that was broken, been broken for decades. It's multifaceted. We could spend two hours today just talking about it. But I have a lot of confidence again in the leadership in Don takahuchi Apuna, her deputy Gerald Sumata. But even the department itself is coming around, and some of the things that we're incorporated, uh, incorporating. You know, in not all, about the least of which is technology. Our investment in people. We're trying to hire people really understanding the problems we're, we're, we're facing, our work with outside groups uh, in the solar industry and permitting and planning industry, and and, and, and even people with code, uh, being able to codes, some of the legislation that we're trying to pass, et cetera, which, which relates to self-certification, easing some of the tensions, just a lot of things we're doing on DPP that is absolutely essential. And then of course our homeless challenge, uh, which is not getting any easier. Uh, I have a lot of confidence in core in that strategy. Uh, There are some things that were going on right now that I think we're going to, in working with the state, represent some really um, unprecedented possibilities uh, with respect to the wraparound services. Because remember the city doesn't have a department of health and the state does, and that affords them monies and resources or whatever, although they would have to hire for it. But if we can come up with a combination of city facilities matched with state's wraparound services and begin to do this almost in vertical cawhales, as opposed to, let's say, what you might think, which is out at uh, Havaike, or or for that matter, the 12 or 13 uh, residences that the governor set up across from Queens as a respite. If you start to think in those terms, if we can put people places where we can provide treatment for them, um, I'm I'm really encouraged on, on what we can we can actually get and i think that um we could get a good grant we're going to build up our core team right now we have about 28 i think we can get it to 60 people we've got the vehicles now uh, we've got the capability of performing um street medicine as well as gaining trust and building in in placing people so i look at those things and they're all so linked to quality of life here what well, if you want to talk about creation of affordable housing that we do conjunction with the state, fixing DPP, what it means for our economic recovery and homelessness and knowing full well that even though it represents less than 1% of our population, it's a top of mind everywhere I go. And it was that way even before I ever got into office. So those are it. Then you talk about the staffing at the city on a broader context, or for that matter, building the police department and looking at some of the really systemic dysfunction we had, we did all the diagnostics, you know, it was appalled to find out it took 180 days to hire somebody at the city and the bureaucracy that people had to go through. Um, those kinds of things, uh, if we can do that. And then the last thing I'll say is modernizing the city. Um, you know, clearly we're in the, um, the fourth year of the third decade of the 21st century. City is there in a couple things, but not on a lot. It's not just technology, it's a whole lot of other things we're doing. It's those things that we're focused on. Then the day-to-day operations, by the way. Then the yeah, day-to-day operations, they're, they're opening gone. up swimming pools, and okay. okay. So if you want to know, if you want to know what it's like, it's all that stuff in your head. <laughs> but I'm blessed to have a really good team around me. But it just keeps coming at you. It's every day, you know. And you you have wins, you know. They don't necessarily get celebrated, and then you get challenges or setbacks. You try to overcome that. But it's really, it is about the joy of the struggle. If you can imagine, and I'm going to get philosophical here, Albert Camus and Sisyphus are pushing the rock up the hill. If you can envision that, okay, and there's a lot of us pushing a very big rock up the hill if we look at it in the aggregate. It's understanding that no matter how much we struggle each and every day, it's coming back to work the next day and recognizing the rock is back down at the bottom of the hill, and you've got to be able to pick it up and find joy in that effort. You know, and that's what I find so gratifying about this job, because the potential of the good that we can do is significant, really significant to the quality of living here and our lives together. So that's what this is about.
1: Well, there there's the uh, the coach in you, that motivator talk that comes out there that we, we always enjoy hearing in these interviews. Uh, I want to talk yeah. about because you mentioned the governor uh, and, and just how things have been with the dynamics with the Green administration, you know, in the history and past. Uh, At times, Honolulu Hale and the state capitol have at times felt like a wall separated uh, Punchbowl Street between these two areas with the dynamics that we've seen in the past between mayors and governors. Uh, How has your dynamic been uh, with the Green administration, specifically with the governor? Uh, And how often do you talk about some of these issues and if you guys are able to find commonality on uh, some of these big issues?
2: Well, you know, I'm really glad you asked me that question because I take a lot of pride in that relationship. Let me just start off though and acknowledge Governor Rigay because you know, coming into office, he was the last two years of his term. And where we were together in the middle of the pandemic, you know, getting sworn in January when there was not even any talk of vaccines being readily available and everything seemingly was COVID. We had three Zoom calls a week. There was a lot of interaction, a lot of discussion. And through it all, I felt that in the first couple of years and as he left office, our relationship was really good. But I think what we showed and that whole process of navigating through COVID was a very good working relationship, relationship with the with the state. Um things were changing as he was leaving office. The night that Governor Green got elected, I was at the I went over to the convention center to pay my respects, and they called me up on stage, and I took the liberty of saying on stage, you know, that the people of our state, and especially talking to Oahu, which is staying in my own lane, but they could expect unprecedented collaboration between the two of us. He and I had had a relationship going back years ago, working on homelessness before, you know, when he was still a state senator and and, uh, and before he ever became LG. And throughout all the years, he and I had talked about our homeless situation. So that was sort of a bonding factor. And that's why I've got a lot of confidence on certain things. But look, he and I are on regular text messages daily, sometimes multiple. We just had dinner the other night. We've had a couple of meetings like that. Our teams are aligned. Um, we've we've promised that because I think we see the potential and uh, having having it be just the opposite line of what you described, of not having that polarity between the state and the city. Look, I've got no ego in this job. And at best I can tell, Governor Green has been n- no ego, too, even though we're very different people. Uh, We understand the moment in time that we're in. We understand that leadership is situational and the possibilities before us, but more importantly, the mandate that we actually deliver on what's needed for our city and our state. And so I think in that regard, we have a high degree of compatibility about being willing to take on the challenges of the moment, be innovative, push for some new ideas, do away with some of the things that were outmoded that were just getting the way. And the very last thing we're going to do is turn it to some kind of political forum. I do not covet his job. I've given him peace of mind about that. I want to stay in my lane as mayor. He's governor and we do our jobs respectively and we we'll collaborate together. That's where it's at.
0: I would like to get your take on another uh, leader in our community and that is the new UH athletics director, Craig Angeles. We had the privilege of speaking with him at length on Friday. He said that he's been doing breakfast, lunch, dinner, and receptions, uh, just meeting as many folks as possible. Wondered if you'd had a chance to uh, to meet at, at this point and what your impressions are of him we so did. far. We, we know that you're a close watcher of the program there.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Well, we did. I, I actually waited about a month, although, um, uh was recommended to Craig that he text me early on. So we had we we had sort of a text relationship going, not that many texts, probably five or six or whatever, on a couple of things early on in his first week or two. Um, so we had dinner together uh and it was a very good meeting. It was my only time I've met him and um and I've not talked to him since. You know, but I told him and I'll say it publicly and and in the spirit of everything I just said about Governor Green and myself. I told him, I said, look, we do not need a failure, a high profile failure. Okay. We need you to be successful, and it's incumbent upon us to help you be successful. But you have to do, you have to look at this. And I heard all the noise that was surrounding your appointment. Okay. I'm not going to judge you by that. I'm just going to challenge you, make you real, help, help you realize that this has to be the best work of your career. Okay. So let all of that other stuff go. Whatever's happened, that doesn't count. This is an important time right now. I can't think of one. I've been involved with the University of Hawaii Athletic Program since 1965, and especially as it relates to football. I don't think we've ever been at a more critical moment in time on the future of things and what we need from the athletics director. So I, I laid it out like that. It's a, this is a, you, just, you just grab the big gold ring. It's a huge challenge. We need you to succeed. Think about succeeding. <laughs> That's sort of where it was.
1: You know we're almost out of time here, but I want to circle back on. Come on, we can't be out of time. I know it goes so quickly, (laughs) but we want. I want to just get another question in about the finance of the city, if we can, Uh, because yes, you signed this uh, current, uh, you know, the budget into law, but uh, now you guys are already crafting. uh, Director Kawano mentioned just how quickly. Uh, After this bill gets approved, you know, he's already working on the next fiscal year and you're already looking ahead. Uh, You know, he mentioned some of the collecting bargaining, some of those raises that need to be also included into just this next budget and allocated for. uh, As you prepare for this next budget and see some of the things that you have to uh, consider, also looking at uh, some of the economic forecasting of what we're potentially could be seeing uh, what are your thoughts about some of your priorities for the next budget and what you want to really establish early on uh, as you begin those conversations?
2: Look, we, um, we're we going to have to, you know, none of these problems we just described earlier are going to get solved in the next coming year, irrespective of what we have in a budget I and mean, just the, the degree of difficulty, right? So all of that remains intact. It's going to be really uh, on what we, you know, we, we can make sure that we can pay all the bills so we can balance the budget. That's the trick this Uh, i think one of the additional things that we're going to probably be looking at is to see because it was a promise made uh on where we are on any kind of tax reform however that manifests itself and i know that there's some things being proposed by the council uh but we've got to look at that we're going to look at that in earnest because look i don't have to tell you uh everybody is concerned about the cost of living and the high cost of living here and then those variable kinds of expenses you know whether they're in food whether they're in energy whether they're in tax assessments, all of those things don't make life any easier, and especially in an inflationary cycle that, that you know, oh, while it's seemingly coming down, here in Hawaii, we feel experience. So, look, I think the priority is always going to be to make sure we've got the resources that we have that we can deliver on the core city services and especially the resources needed as a priority because where you write your checks, you know, what you spend your money on, is an indication of what you hold to be um, most important, and we've got these big problems that we're determined to address. And so that's how I'm looking at it, Ryan. Is that is, is This is not a one-year fix. I'm, I'm really gratified by the fact we've got the resources needed. We certainly got the money put aside to hire people. We're in that. We're in a recruiting mode across the board, not just with HBD. Uh, we need to do that. You know, I'm I'm forty percent short. Three hundred seventy-six openings in facilities and maintenance. I just said earlier that the police department has three hundred sixty to three hundred ninety, and it fluctuates. We have forty percent of our workforce. I just we just named a new, a new director to step in there, Gene Albano. Just Friday, we just swore him in to take over, and that, that's a big department. When, it, when it's at full strength, it's over nine hundred people. You know, to provide, to provide. Core city services, you know, and the kinds of things that matter to people, especially when it comes to road repair and some of the other things that they do. So, just so it's those things. It's all of that. It's it's getting the city to operate as a highly functioning unit that that that, that doesn't disappoint. You know, and that's you know that's across the board. It's our parks. One of the things we learned in the town halls, if there was a common denominator in the eleven town halls that we did over ten weeks. It was how valuable our parks and recreational opportunities are for the people who live here, the people who came to those meetings and how much they talked about it, whether that was true of trying to build a swimming pool in Kahuku, of which we had now multiple meetings on. And I think we're going to move forward uh, on that where we're certainly have a good a good plan, but all the way across the board and how how people enjoy themselves here. So it's all of that. It's 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 paying attention to the quality of life issues. I, I think that that's what this job is about. You know, we talk oftentimes about we're here to serve the public. That's the expectation. We're trying to fulfill that expectation. So it looks like people in this office, me, my team, and everybody else is, is aware <laughs> and is caring and is doing something about it. I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's like that.
0: It's funny because you just signed a budget and then Ryan's question just about the next one, it just goes back to that Sisyphus analogy and pushing the rock up the hill. My goodness. Uh, endless rocks, I think, that you face, Mr. Mayor. We are out of time, but I want to give you an opportunity just to address uh, the folks tuning in today uh, about, you know, ha- about your, your final thoughts this morning to them. Well, my
2: final thoughts are, to, and in, in, in recounting a few of the challenges, this job is the privilege of a lifetime for me. And it's also the challenge of a lifetime. And so I'm fortunate now to be surrounded by an incredible group of men and women who embrace that challenge as well. And we're all here in a place that we live, in a place that we love, trying to make a difference.
1: All right, Honolulu Mayor Rick Banjardi. Thanks so much for joining us this morning and updating us uh, on all that's happening at the Halle over there. And just how do
2: I get more time on this show? It seems like I ask a couple of questions and you go. You guys start signing <laughs> off already. I, I don't understand. It. Okay.
0: Graphics and time. We will work on those two requests. <laughs> all right. Thank, thank you.
2: you. Thank, you. Thank, uh, thank you. Thank you both for this opportunity. Good I really appreciate you. it. Aloha.
0: Always great to catch up with the mayor. We covered a lot of ground and if you missed any of this, remember you can always catch it later on channel 50 or listen as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, interesting, Ryan, you know, we started out talking about skyline and he has a lot of confidence in the system. It is early days. And he says you can't judge it just by what is happening in the moment, but really look at it as a transformational, uh, you know, impact on our community, something that will have long-lasting impacts for generations to come. Uh, Of course, he talked about Lori Kahikina and really expressing a lot of confidence in her, despite uh, the the, uh, rating that she gave herself, interpreting the board's rating of her getting a three out of five. She interpreted that around a C He's saying that he doesn't like to talk about personnel matters, but really he sees that as somewhat of a misinterpretation and that he has full confidence in her leadership.
1: Yeah, her leadership and the team and the heart board. He also mentioned uh, Colleen Hanabusa in that, saying that they have uh, done a great job to get the the skyline to where it's at now. He also expressed confidence in this next phase going to Middle Street, saying that, uh, you know, this is something that, of course, anything can happen. But he remains confident that that 2025 benchmark that they have set uh, for the skyline to continue to Middle Street will be uh, operational by then. And then this, again, will include a large sector, uh, important part of this rail line, which would include the Honolulu Airport, uh, which many people are expected to, uh, which will help to increase ridership uh, in that area because of the amount of people that will be making their way from the uh, west side of the island to the airport. We also got to hear a little bit about just his thoughts on uh, just the overall budget, saying that this is the first time that he signed the budget. Uh, He was very happy with the way that things went on, the negotiations that happened that went back and forth with the city council Uh, And his thoughts as he continues to prepare for the next budget already and putting out some of those top priorities and agendas, looking for ways, of course, to address the cost of living overall, recognizing that that is something that will directly impact the residents of this county, uh, the city and county, uh, but also laying out sort of his agenda and some of the top priorities, which really haven't changed. He talked about homelessness, affordable housing, some of the same key issues and things that we've heard from this administration for the past uh, few years
0: yeah it's that quality of life issues that he was really addressing there also interesting to hear about his relationship with two of the top leaders in our state the governor and the new uh athletics director saying that he's on a te- he has a texting relationship with both uh the governor he says they text uh, potentially multiple times a day i want access to the phone there i want to know <laughs> um and then highlighting that dinner that he had with the new uh athletics director craig angelus who we want to mention was on our program on friday we had a really interesting interview with him um and And just laying out the stakes uh, for, you know, the incoming athletics director and saying that uh, really in no time in the program's history, as far as the mayor sees it, has it been this critical to uh, lift up the program overall, the programs overall, um, but specifically when it comes to football
1: yeah and as someone who has strong ties to University of Hawaii, we know the mayor is very passionate about the athletic program they're saying that uh, this has to be the best work that you've done in his conversation again with no the pressure. athletic director <laughs> that this has to be the best work that he has ever done, uh, but you know also the mayor addressing some of these uh, other concerns that of course are happening in the community he talked about DPP and the work that continues to go on, there saying they have to do better, that they are uh, really trying to change the uh, some fundamental and some foundational things that were wrong with the department, that this is something that is taking some time, but he's very confident in the progress that they continue to make in that backlog. Again, this is a department that has caused so much frustration among those who are waiting for those permits. The mayor fully aware of those concerns and saying that it continues to be something that his administration will work on. Uh, so, uh, again, a lot to talk about in short amount of time. We always try to get as much conversation, as much topics in with the mayor, but we seemingly always run out of time and not can't <laughs> always ask all the questions that we have planned. Uh, on Wednesday, we're going to be joining, uh, joined by someone else who actually also occupied that office uh, of Honolulu Halle.
0: That's right. Former Honolulu Mayor Kirk Caldwell is coming on. He has written a book. Our hospitals or no our beaches were empty, but our hospitals were full. It is his reflection on what happened uh, in, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, those first early days, he interviewed leaders throughout our community uh, and put to. Put together this collection of interviews which really reads like a conversation it's a very interesting book and we're looking forward to catching up with Mayor former mayor kirk caldwell on our program we hope we see you here on wednesday at 10
1: 30. take care and aloha